It's time for JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Ranch, all summer long. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. I stopped into a Walmart. I had no idea he was there. Like we talked a bit about some old Raider stuff. He was super. We went back and forth. I think every current wide receiver in it, not only the NFL, but every current wide receiver, period, needs to be at that induction thing for Cliff. JT the Brick. I want to know when you met Cliff, what your favorite play was with him. So we had a blast. We hung out in there. We got pictures of the boys with the ring. Talked to him a little bit. Cliff Prince was was a standout player. The way he ran his routes, his hands, his speed was unbelievable. The plays that I recall with Branch was him going down the left sideline, getting behind the DB, and his left hand going up, give me the ball, give me the ball. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, thanks for coming back here as we continue on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation, 920 AM, brought to you by our great friends at Remy Martin, Got a great Remy Martin dinner on Thursday night as we meet with our partners at Remy Martin. Uh, they introduced us to the botanist gin. You hear me talk about that tonight. The cool, refreshing taste of botanist. If you're a gin drinker, give it a shot. Make the transition. I think you'll love it. All right, quick story time here. I want to just tell you a couple quick things. Something cool happened last night on my Sirius XM show on Mad Dog Sports Radio. I host that weeknights from 6 to 9 p.m., this show from noon to 2, obviously. And a quick backstory: this is the toughest time in all of sports radio. And I often tell you how blessed I am to have this gig and the gigs that I have, and it's not very hard. It's not difficult talking sports for a living. It's a passion. But these last two weeks, we call it the dead zone, a term that I came up with maybe 15 years ago, and it's the time before NFL starts and I'm not talking training camp I'm talking the NFL starting games in the dead of the summer when hockey is over the NBA is over and baseball goes on hiatus for the all-star break it is absolutely the deadest time of the year so it's the busiest time for me because I I do the Jim Rome show Uh, Jim is where I started as a caller won his first smack off in the last three years they asked me to come out and do a show so I did six shows this month, uh, pretty much here, the very end of June and then in July, six shows in L.A. So I was driving back to L.A. I was hosting this show a little bit. Harry was filling in for me as I was doing that. But I was doing my Sirius XM show four nights a week. So all of that combined is really my grind season where I go, wow, this is going to be interesting because usually there's nothing to talk about. But over the last couple of years, there has been. And if you go back to the history of the dead zone, remember Barry Sanders retired abruptly. That was a big story. Remember Terrell Owens doing sit-ups in his driveway. Aaron Rodgers last year, a good example. He goes on the yoga cleanse in Maui. People don't know if he's coming back to the Packers as he's forcing a trade. So every once in a while, we get a bone thrown to us. And we have something to talk about. Now, I'm a solo host, one of the last of the Mohicans. Uh, Bobby has an open mic whenever he wants to. But on my night show, it's just me. And this time of year, it is damn hard. So last night is arguably the most difficult night of the entire year. I'm talking 365. That or the night of the ESPYs. When ESPN came up with that and they threw that in as filler coming off the American Century Championship Golf Tournament, they're able to wrangle all these celebrities and keep them in L.A., But this year, it's the All-Star Game and then the ESPYs. So a lot of people are in town for the All-Star Game in L.A. and the ESPYs. 
So last night I'm doing the show and I have a board op running the show because my producer's on vacation. So I'm working with this guy I haven't worked with before and we really don't have, we don't have it last night. I'm trying to play sound bites. He's in New York. I'm in my house in Vegas. We're trying to hit these sound bites of the home run derby and it's just not working. So anyway, his computer, because a lot of guys now do their radio shows from home, even the producers, they have this amazing software where they can bring up the host and the guest and do it from home. So the guy I'm working with, his computer craps out. If, if you, there was a massive thunderstorm in New York, wild thunderstorm, his computer goes down. So they get me another guy to come in during a commercial and he hooks up on this computer line and Wi-Fi and we're talking during the break and I worked with them a little bit in the past and I'm like there's no one on hold it's home run derby no one's listening to me I feel like it and I know there are but people are watching the home run derby so I'm doing this show and I'm grinding and it's like a long-haul trucker there is no end in sight I got about two hours to go in the three-hour show. No one's on hold. I'm sitting there going, how am I going to get through this? Well, I'm going to talk about the Home Run Derby, but again, people are watching the Home Run Derby. They're probably not listening to me. So I get a couple of phone calls going, and I look down at my phone, and I get a text from Stephen A. Smith, who's the biggest guy in media, biggest guy, number one, no debate right now with Stephen A. Smith. And he says, I'm on vacation in L.A. I'm listening. You sound great. Little does he know, I'm sitting back here after doing this 26 years going, oh my God, this, is, this sucks. This is going to be hard tonight. But again, I'm not putting out oil fires. I'm not a police officer, a fireman in harm's way. I have a, and my wife always brings me back to reality, like get over yourself. You're just talking sports. And she says it nicer than that. So Stephen A. sends me a nice text. Not to bust my balls, but he catches probably five minutes of the show. I'm kind of doing my thing, and he gives me a compliment. So the home run derby comes to an end. And the big topic, which I was freaking out on last night, which we touched on a little bit yesterday, was the fact that they're going to end the All-Star game if it's in extra innings with the home run derby, which I think is terrible because it's the dumbing down of America. It's the dumbing down of sports. Why not play the 10th inning? Why not play the 11th inning? Why not win on a walk-off double with someone racing around third, sliding into home, he's safe, and that's how you end the All-Star game. You know, a Ted Williams home run wins the All-Star game, and they're dumbing it down. They're making it stupid. And Rob Manford and Major League Baseball are really going to end the All-Star game tonight with a home run derby after nine innings. Remember a couple of years ago in Milwaukee where they just ended the game in a tie? There are people in charge of sports who make these stupid decisions. So we're talking about that a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of traction on the phones with that. Juan Soto ends up winning home run derby. And I got about 40 minutes left in the show. And I'm sitting there and I can see the finish line. And I want to watch The Captain, which is the Derek Jeter documentary. And, you know, I often talk about my bucket of Modellos. And it's 100 degrees out. And I'm at home last night and I'm just dreaming of a Modelo on ice sitting in my backyard watching The Captain, the Jeter documentary. But I got about 45 minutes to go, and I'm on the air live, and I look down at my phone in my studio here in the office, and it's Reggie Jackson, and Reggie is calling me live while I'm on the air, so I can't take the phone call. So I hit, I I open up the call, I answer the call, and I'm doing the radio show like I'm doing now, figuring Reggie 
is realizing, hey, I'm calling him while he's live on the air. I'll just call him back, and he never hangs up. So I talk for about four or five minutes. I hit end. I hang up on Reggie Jackson, my childhood hero. I go to break, and I call Reggie back, and he's in the grocery store. I thought he was at the home run derby at the All-Star game. I go, Reggie, what's going on? He goes, I was just listening to you here. And uh, great, blah, blah, blah. I go, I go you want to come on? And he goes, yeah, I'll come on. He goes, but I'm leaving the grocery store now. Give me about five minutes. So I tell the producer, hey, call Reggie Jackson. Here's his number. Get him up. And this is how it sounded last night. So everything I went through last night, this made my night and makes me feel lucky and blessed that I had this experience. My hero, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, last night on my SiriusXM show. It's an honor to welcome in Mr. October. Reggie Jackson joins us coming off of Home Run Derby. Reggie, how are you on a big night? How you doing? I'm good, JT. How are you? I couldn't be better, but Reggie, I'm fu- I'm, yes, I can. And I, I'm furious that they're going to change the All-Star game, which you dominated at, with a home run derby if the game goes to the 10th inning tied. What do you feel about that rule change that could be installed tomorrow night? Um, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's the first time that I don't really mind a change. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I just, I, I'll never understand putting a guy on second base to end a game. Um, I guess, you know, because games are too long. So, you know, I don't like that part of it in the all-star game. If you do want to do something kind of crazy, I guess. I guess I'm okay with that. I don't know how it's going to work. You know, I I feel like you should get three outs, and the guy that hits the most homers in the three outs, foul balls don't count, but you get three outs, you get one Hmm. inning, and then the other guy gets an inning, and whoever wins after that, bam. But But Reggie, what about the – I hope it's not another one-hour show. <laughs> <laughs> but, Reggie, you know, I, I talked to Pete Rose about this over the years, and Pete would tell the story about how the NL commissioner would come in, the president of the NL, and give a speech going up against you in the American League and how important the All-Star game was to win it. Not only the extra money, but I, the bragging rights. I and you remember. played in so many. What was it like for you? I remember the same thing, and and – you know, now today's players don't want to play. They don't want to go. And I think the winner d- determines home field for the World Series. Yeah, they got rid of that. Yeah, they got rid of that because that, that was okay. that was something that they stopped okay. with. But okay. but they, it, told, it showed you what happened. They had a game end in a tie. They ended up doing that, and now they're putting a home run derby in the 10th inning. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it, but... I'll just try to go along with it, if you will. Sure. Um, I don't like the format on the home run derby that they've got, but it is what it is because it's too many swings for the players because a couple guys have gotten hurt. So, but I don't want to be negative because I, no, I, I got love you. the game. I, I don't want to be a bitcher. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it, it's great. Uh, it's in the middle of the season. I remember what you just said about Pete. Um, our, uh, the guy that ran the National American League was uh, Lee McPhail, and he mm-hmm. would come in and they'd look at me, George Brett, Rod Carew, 
and ask us to play nine innings. I yeah. played nine innings in some games. And I went to the, the press conference the day before and then uh, played nine innings and then went home, traveled the day to go home, and then played the next day. Didn't have a couple of days off. And I was honored. Sure you were. Reggie yeah. asked to play uh, uh, nine innings because Mays played nine innings because people wanted to see him, and he let off. Incredible. Willie Mays leads off. Reggie Jackson joins us, Hall of Famer. Reggie, everybody knows you're Mr. October, three home runs in the World Series, but how many people still talk about the 71 All-Star game, the home run off the Transformer? Was that the sweetest, longest, purest home run that you ever hit? Um, you know, the, uh, the, the wind was blowing out that night. <laughs> That's what Johnny Bench tells me. But, uh, <clears throat> I had a couple of balls. I had a ball in Minnesota one time over the scoreboard there, uh, like 430 feet away. And you got $50,000 if you hit a tree and I hit it over the tree, uh, in, in, in Minnesota. Uh, and then I hit a couple ball. I hit a ball in the Ivy in Oakland. Um, which was probably yeah. 400, 500 feet or so. And then the ball I hit in the World Series there, I probably hit set 475 to 500. But um, I don't know. You have to really go to, to, to get one past the one I hit in the All-Star game. But I did hit other homers. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> Reggie Jackson joins us. Hey, Reggie, big topic. Juan Soto won tonight. He turned down $440 million over 15 years, Aaron Judge turned down his contract to hopefully get more, and he's backing it up. Mike Trout got over $400 million, but he's been banged up a lot, and you played for that franchise. What do you think about these $400 million contracts? I mean, if you're a player, I understand why you sign it, but is the game getting away from that going forward? The only thing I'll say to you, JT, is if you take a look at the basketball contracts now where – I think Damian Lillard signed a two-year extension for 25 and 26 for 62, 61 million a year. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and nobody really said much, but I think that that Curry, Steph Curry, touches 47 to 50. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, you know, if they can get the money, I'm happy for them. I wish it was me. I wish I was uh, 30 years younger. At the same time here, uh, you can't tell me if you're spending that kind of money that you're losing money. I'll, I'll never Absolutely. buy it because the guys that own teams, they're, they're too wealthy and they're too smart. Um, and so uh, it, could there be a team that could go bankrupt in the future? I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, the, the big money franchises, the guys with these – you know, huge uh, local regional television deals. I know the Angels have a two point four billion dollar local TV deal. Yeah, the, and, the, and the TV Dodgers deals and in... I want to I want to say the Dodgers deal approaches eight billion local. So yeah, the, the, the money's there, and I'm I'm you know happy for them that it is there. To be honest with you, but um, you can't sign a guy for fifteen years. That's not happening. Uh, if it was offered, uh, he should have. His parents should have should have drove him right to the ballpark. 
Hey, Reggie, I only got a, I only got a minute to go. How are you going to watch the All-Star game? What are your plans for the Midnight, Summer Night Classic Tuesday night? Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch some of it. Okay. I'll probably watch. I'll probably want some of it. I want to see the Astro guys, and I always like to see mm. the great players and Betts and Judge. I like to see the great players. I really do. Uh, uh, Soto and uh, even in Pujols today, I didn't really see much of the home run derby. I was playing golf, but I, I like to see the stars. I still still love the game and appreciate it. So I'll watch some of it, but I'm not going to sit there for nine. Reggie, you know what you mean to me. I'm always thrilled when you're listening, you check in. Thanks for doing this. All the best. I hope to see you later this summer. And also, Cliff Branch in the Hall of Fame with Mark Davis. So let's catch up soon. I was just talking. I just sent a message to Mark to see if he wants me to go over there with him. So uh, enjoy, JT. It's always good talking to you. So that was right up until the show ended. I had about two minutes to close out the show. I closed out the show at the end of the night. And I was done in Reggie Jackson interview, and I went out into my backyard, and I popped that cold Modelo, and I sat outside, and my wife was kind of doing things because she's ready to take my son back to college. They're driving to Oklahoma. My son has a car, so my wife wants to make sure he has a safe drive. She's going to go out there. It's like a 15-hour drive. So they're packing up and getting ready, and my son comes out, and he sits down with me, and I, tell them, I told him about Stephen A. and this, and we're talking Raiders because – he went over and saw the Raiders softball game. So he came in from that right about as everything was wrapping up the Raiders and the Golden Knights charity softball game with a couple of friends. And then I put the captain on and I decompressed for about an hour. And this was between 9.30 and 10.30 at night. And that was my night last night. So it went from really radio hell in the dead zone. Nothing to talk about to get in the text from Stephen A., the phone call from Reggie Jackson, putting Reggie on the air, getting to the finish line and saying, hey, man, life's pretty good. Life isn't that hard. And it was a lot of fun last night. And tonight I'll do it again. The All-Star Game is kind of another dead night on syndicated or satellite radio because everybody's watching the game. But I think maybe something cool will happen. I hope the game doesn't go into extra innings and they give us this home run derby because I think it cheapens the game. I'm trying to get Pete Rose on to talk about that. It cheapens the game. It makes the game look weak as the game is afraid of extra innings and time constraints. Everybody's worried about these kids now who have no attention span. Maybe your kid does, but a lot of kids don't. They can't watch a five-minute YouTube video. It's got to be two minutes. It's got to be a minute 30 because people can't pay attention anymore. And Major League Baseball changed the All-Star game without letting us know. They did a news dump, didn't tell us about it, the Associated Press broke the story, and then maybe tonight we're going to see it. And I don't know how it's going to look. Maybe I'll change my mind if the home run derby looks good in extra innings, but I'm a purist when it comes to baseball. I don't like runners on second base. I don't like the fact that you can't run into the catcher. I don't like all of these rule changes because they're making the game softer. So anyway, that's my rant talking about last night as we continue. Raider training camp uh, will be broadcasting Thursday from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as the veterans are coming in here at the end of the week. Rookie training camps begin. If you're a season ticket holder, you have some opportunities to go out to training camp. I think you can, and you should. 
if you have that opportunity to see this beautiful facility out in Henderson and see why the Raiders are going to have an advantage going forward when it comes to just training players and athletes who are going to love living in the, in the city, playing for this organization because the facilities are five-star. Obviously, that was brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit. Modelo, thanks for that proud partnership as we continue. JT on the flagship of the Silver and Black. The San Diego Chargers came north with lightning bolts on their helmets, but the real lightning in the Coliseum wore number 21 in silver and black. Cliff Branch also hit pay dirt twice to continue his route to the playoffs and a league-leading 13 touchdown catches. It was seven in a row for the silver and black, 28 to 17. Turn that up. Who has that? John Facenda on Cliff Branch in San Diego? Quick reminder, there is no more San Diego Chargers. They went to Los Angeles to be the tenant of Stan Kroenke and the Rams. But there is a love fest going on for the Los Angeles Chargers. Welcome back. JT with you. I threw out a tweet. Hope you give a follow at JT the Brick. So, again, earlier today I was up early and looking at my phone and went and looked at the over-under for the Raiders this year. Wanted to make sure I had it right before the show. So we, it seems like the Raiders are still at 8.5 this season as the over-under. So if you bet the over, the Raiders have to win nine games. Last year they won 10. Uh, the update over at the Superbook, the Denver Broncos are at 10.5. 10.5 for Denver. So Raider fans, forget about the Raiders for a second. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a bunch. Screw up five times a day before breakfast, and I apologize to everybody. I'm great at apologizing. I'll apologize to you if you lose money on this one. Forget about the Raiders' win total for the season. Why isn't every Raider fan betting the under on the Broncos? Forget about the Raiders. Eight and a half, I'd take the over. But why wouldn't you bet $100 or $50 of your money on Denver going under the total? Now, if Denver wins 12 games this year, it's all Russell Wilson. And again, he's brilliant if he can do that. I don't think he will. Uh, the Chargers are at 10.5 because there's a love fest with the Chargers, and the Chargers got their roster better, just like I thought the Raiders' roster increased. Increased. They have Boyd Blunder, their head coach, who goes for it on every fourth down. They're at 10.5, and, and Kansas City is also, look at Kansas City, 10.5. So you have Denver, the Chargers, and Kansas City all at 10.5, the Raiders at 8.5. Man, that's that's mind-blowing to me. You gamblers out there who gamble, you got to have an opinion on this. What does this mean? What does this mean? And the only thing I heard from one sportsbook director is he said, we don't expect the Raiders to win every game like they did in the last second last year. That's the only realistic thing I heard is all the Raiders' last-second field goals, overtime wins. They expect it to balance out from a gambling perspective. So that would take the Raiders from 10 wins to maybe 9 or 8. But what about the games that the Raiders lost last year to the New York Giants, the Washington Commanders, and the Chicago Bears? And two of those games were at home. Devastating losses to the Bears and the Commanders. I don't think the Raiders lose games like that this year. So it's tough. Gambling, the Vegas sports books know what they're doing most of the time. But 10.5 for the Denver Broncos? 10.5? 
So you mean you believe the Broncos are going to win 11 games after the Raiders have won the last four in that season series? So that, to me, is really an interesting topic there. If you're a gambler and you got an opinion on that, I'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200 on why that is the number. And if you believe you're taking the over, and you don't have to bet the Raiders on the over, why wouldn't you just bet Denver on the under? Really proud of Roxy Bernstein, longtime friend, great broadcaster, play-by-play voice and talk show host. He called Home Run Derby on ESPN Radio last night, and we played all the sound Roxy, congrats. How much fun did you have last night at Chavez Ravine? It was a blast, JT. It was, it was so different than what we're used to doing when we're calling games, right? When we're calling a regular baseball game, there's a rhythm to it. There's a format to it, if you will. And whether it's football, calling basketball, there, there's always the game. But last night was so wild and different because you're looking down, and at one point I think there were three baseballs in the air. And, like, when does that ever happen? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it was a lot to, to keep your eyes on and stay focused on last night. But I thoroughly enjoyed the atmosphere. It was great energy also last night. Yeah, I thought J-Rod coming up to start off the game and for Julio Rodriguez to hit 32 in his first round, what were you thinking at that point where he was completely locked in, pulling the ball, hitting all those moonshots? Well, the thing about watching him, JT, is how smooth and effortless his swing is. And Doug Glanville astutely pointed out that his pitcher didn't even stride and just got the baseball and threw it. So, and he seemed to get more pitches to swing at than anybody else because of maybe an advantage that his personal pitcher had last night. Mm -hmm. But the ease that he swings it with, the power that he's able to generate, it's just pretty to watch. And I've gotten to see him play quite a bit this year and just, I'm so impressed with Julio Rodriguez. To me, I don't know if there's a more fun player to watch in baseball, JT, because of the energy. It's infectious he plays with. You see he's smiling all the time. Uh, The hustle that he plays with. He truly is one of the young superstars that's emerging in the game, and he's going to be a treat to watch for a lot of years. You know, Roxy's a big topic. Roxy Bernstein's our guest when they had the MLB draft, and the first two players were young players that their fathers played in the league, Matt Halliday's son and Andrew Jones's son. And a big debate topic for me was how quickly can you get a high school player to play in the major leagues? Derek Jeter, the captain documentary, debuted last night, 19, 20 years old. He's getting called up. He's not playing in some games. Griffey Jr., Bryce Harper, as you know, from Vegas, were on base. And then you go to Alex Rodriguez. But then I'm seeing J-Rod last night. I'm like, he's 21. He's in the major leagues. Why can't we see more kids make the transition and get up to the major leagues at 2021 instead of spending three or four years in the minors? That's a really good question. And I I think, JT, there's just so much to learn and absorb. If you're a position player coming up and just getting used to pitches you're going to see, Now, not necessarily the velocity, but it's the location, it's the command, it's the movement that hitters have to adjust to. And you need to get, I don't know, 2,000 at-bats in the minor leagues before you start to really figure it out and understand it. And then for pitchers, it's the same thing. Can you harness what you have? And that's why it's very rare, and we've seen it over the years at times when kids break in, even at 18 or 19, But you just need time to mature, I think, as a baseball player, and you get that baseball IQ up. And it's very rare you see a college kid go straight 
from the collegiate game to the major league ranks. And I think it's just there's so much to learn that the professional game at the major league level is so vastly different than everything else. Roxy Bernstein, play-by-play voice, ESPN, all the back 12 work he's done, all the broadcasting work that he's done. Fantastic friend of the show. So let's get to Juan Soto here. And you were in the building last night. How much talk was about turning down $440 million coming into this? Because it's, you know, it's that time of year where there's not that many big topics. Judge is going to get a contract as he turned down the offer from the Yankees. How many people would talking about Soto being available before he wins home run derby in impressive fashion. It was a popular topic, and of course the news broke over the weekend that reportedly he turned down that monstrous offer from Washington. And, and Doug Glanville and I got into it on the air last night about the situation. And look, the Nationals right now are under no pressure to get rid of him and trade him. People just assume that's what they're going to do. I think it comes at him at you twofolds, JT, in terms of Number one, does Juan Soto want to commit to 15 years? The, the money's great. And the money, if he believes in himself, which he clearly does, is going to be there regardless of what contract he signs. I don't know if he wants to lock up his entire career and take it till he's 38, 39 years old playing with the Washington Nationals. Mm-hmm. I believe that he wants to see more of a commitment from that organization to win. Who's his manager going to be right. you know, down the line? Who, who's going to own the team? What commitments are they going to make to put a winning product back on the field? And it wasn't that long ago that they won a World Series. But right now, they're among the worst teams in baseball. I don't think he wants to get locked into that situation. So I think from that standpoint, it's more of a wait and see for Juan Soto that he will take his time and figure things out of where he wants to be as his future gets aligned. And look, he's going to get paid. He's going to make a lot of money during the course of his major league career. And he doesn't seem to be in a hurry just to take the first offer that's on the table. Roxy Bernstein is our guest, play-by-play voice. Did a great job on ESPN Radio calling home run derby last night. With Soto, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the bigger payroll teams can get him. I like him at 23 compared to Judge at 30, going on 31. So Judge turns down the big money because the Yankees, I thought, grinded him down. He's a big guy. He's been injured in the past, but he's outperforming this year, and he deserves to get paid, but. Soto and that swing in the Bronx, it's just perfect. It's like Bryce Harper. And I don't know. If if the Yankees could unload Giancarlo Stanton's contract, Chapman, who's done now, uh, Joey Gallo, all of a sudden they give up a couple of minor leaguers, doesn't it look like the Yankees or the Mets with Steve Cohen, the new owner, are going to make a run at him if available? You'd have to think that that's the first two names that come to mind, Mm. right? Both teams in New York. And I don't know how likely that the Nationals would be willing to deal Juan Soto to the Mets just because you want to face Juan Soto 18, 19 times a year Mm -hmm. when he's in your division. So from the Nationals' standpoint, I'd have to imagine if they're going to move him, it's going to be outside the division. And the first name that always comes to mind is the Yankees. And they certainly have the resources to be able to afford it. It's just that they have the prospects at this point. Are they willing to unload him? Because it's going to take a haul, JT, as you know, to get Juan Soto. Because as you highlighted, his age, he's 23. And he's one of the elite hitters right now in the game at this young age. So you're going to have to give them major league ready talent plus some highly valued prospects. It's going to take an absolute boatload to pick up Juan Soto in a deal by any team. 
Roxy Bernstein joins us. So the Padres are 12 back of the Dodgers, 12 back, uh, 10 out in games back, but 12 in the loss column. The Brewers have a half-game lead on the Cardinals, and the Mets are on top of the Braves by only two and a half. I think the Mets will be interested to see if they're a buyer here with their owner because of the new money they have. But following the Dodgers out west and their lead over the Padres, it's the Dodgers and everybody else in the National League. It is. And at this point, if you're the Padres, if you're the Giants, you need to look. It'd be nice to be able to make a run at the Dodgers, but I don't know how realistic it is. So you have to start thinking about the wild card. And with the playoff format a bit different this year with three wild card teams from each league getting in, I think that's where if you're Bob Melvin of the Padres, Gabe Kaplan of the Giants, that's where you need to be focused on. I think we're set up for two really good races in the National League in terms of the Mets and Braves in the East and the Brewers who are just a game up on the Cardinals here at the break. So I think that that should be really fun to see in the second half of the year. It is the Dodgers who are clearly the best team, and we'll see what teams, what moves they make over the next couple of weeks heading toward the deadline. Roxy, I want to move to the back 12 where you work with when you got the news when USC and UCLA were moving, and as a Cal grad, and those games that you're very familiar with, losing that rivalry with SC and Stanford and Cal and UCLA, there's a lot of deep history behind that. And I understand why SC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. They're trying to lock in because we wa- we've been watching media days in the SEC and to hear the NIL talk and what Kiffin's saying and Nick Saban and Jimbo the money is insane, and even though USC has that in their endowments and all the money that they have, they, don't, they didn't have it in the TV contract. So what do you think about the dissolution of these rivalries and the history of the Pac-12 from the Pac-10 and what we're going to see going forward? From the, you know, the Pac-12 homer that you know I am, yeah. it sucks. It absolutely sucks because you're throwing those rivalries that are about 100 years old, and... Cal and UCLA are so closely aligned, both athletically and academically. Mm-hmm. And for that separation, it's sad. Um, how this is going to proceed, we'll see. What, how the Pac-10, you know, with 10 teams remaining, when, this, when the Bruins and the Trojans bolt to the Big Ten, we'll see how this plays out. But uh, just from a standpoint of tradition, of rivalry sake, You'd love to see those teams stay. And I get it from their perspective, but it's a little disingenuous when UCLA says, oh, it's the best scenario. No, just say it was a money grab. That's all you got to do. Everybody knows it was. And don't try to justify it. It was a money grab. And I get it that they were in debt and they needed an infusion of cash, but that's what it is. And they sold out, and it's going to make it a, a real challenging few years as that transition goes, JT, because, okay, for football, it's one thing, right? When you're talking hoops, you're talking some of the Olympic sports. I mean, USC and UCLA teams are going to be traveling to Rutgers and Penn State and Maryland to play conference games. That's, unfortunately, the direction that we're headed in. And I heard some of Lane Kiffin's comments at SEC Media Days regarding NIL. He's right. There is no legislation. There is no salary cap, if you will. For, for how much they're making. It has turned into professional fo- football at a minor scale. And, it, and certainly it's always been a feeder to the NFL, but now 
they're getting paid. And I don't have any issue with NIL and them getting paid. Mm-hmm. It's just there has to be some regulation. We don't see any of that. Finally, I was looking at your Twitter feed. Is there anything more glorious than when Bill Walton's at a dead and company show? And, and all of a sudden, because I've seen him before at shows, big deadhead before, but he'll do it at Dylan. He'll follow other shows. And then I think some people are amazed when they're in the middle of the show on the floor and they look up and the seven-footer is there with his arms open to the sky in the middle of a dead and company show or a Dylan show. And people make that connection with your friend Bill Walton. And it's funny because the worst place to be at a show is right behind Bill because you can't see a darn thing. You know, he's blocking out the sun. But one of the funniest things is, is, you know, one of my close friends is Adam Duritz, lead singer of Counting Crows. Yeah. Huge Raiders fan, by the way, I should throw in there. Thank you. But so I took Bill to a show down in San Diego in Bill's hometown. And we went to the show, and Bill was up the whole concert, standing, we're like seven, eight rows back in the, in the front, right in the middle. And he's dancing the whole night. And so when Adam gets off the stage, they did a, you know, a runner where they hopped on the bus and tried to get out and beat the traffic you know, right after they did the last song of the encore. And Adam, now within five, ten minutes after the show, texts me and says, Bill may have been my favorite audience member ever. Wow. Because he just brings that energy. It's infectious, whether it's at a show, whether it's at a game I'm doing with Bill. It's always the place to be when you're with Bill Walton. Great story. You're the best. Again, congratulations as we were playing the sound last night and you're calling home run derby and Soto at the end and all that. Great moment for you, a bucket list. Keep it up, and thanks for coming on with me. Anytime, brother. Take care, JT. Roxy Bernstein. Good good guy. Really good guy and great success there. Really happy for him. I was at Journey the other night at Resorts World. Second row. My buddy only wants to see Journey in the front row. And the amount of people that sat down during the concert, really embarrassing. If you have those seats, you stand. You don't sit in the front row if you're tired or you don't like the new stuff. Get out. Give it to someone from the upper deck who wants to enjoy the show. Ashley from Sam and Ash next. Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. Now Las Vegas is the sports capital of the world. So mm-hmm. Professional football and professional hockey. So, and then uh, and maybe one day can never have have Major League Baseball because you think I have professional women's basketball here. So it's going to be here and it's going to be a sports capital of the world. Before Cliff Branch passed away, he was a quick ambassador for Vegas sports. He was pretty excited about the Raiders and. The Aces, because Mark Davis owns the Aces, and all the excitement here. Another ambassador for local Vegas sports is Ashley from Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you love local sports. How are you, Ash? I'm great, JT. How are you doing? I am doing very well. It's the summer of Cliff Branch. It's been the summer of JT as I've been getting out of the heat and finding my way to the OC, onto the water, and trying to get a little... (laughs) How are you handling the heat uh, this summer here at the office, downtown, everything you're doing, you handling it okay? 
Oh, we're handling it fine. Actually, this summer, despite the heat, our power has maintained steady uh, <laughs> on this year. And so that was always one of the struggles. We would always have power issues down here. But no, this year it's fine. Just staying out of the direct sun, in the air conditioning, and it, it makes it all easy to go to work and do the right thing each day. I got the website in front of me, salmonashlaw.com. You deserve what's right. Making injury law work for you. Go to the website. Find out everything. They specialize, Salmon Ash, and everything. So I've been thinking about you because as I've been going to the OC, I've been out on the water a little bit. I've been boating a lot, and I'm thinking about boating accidents because a lot of people throw down beverages. Like people, to me at least, are conscious about, it could be a DUI anywhere when I'm driving. Oh my God, there's cops, especially in Vegas, they're everywhere. But people get really loose on the water. What do we need to know about boating accidents? JT, you're absolutely right. Whether you're in Newport Beach Harbor on a little electric Duffy boat enjoying an evening cruise, or you're out on Lake Mead managing to have fun, uh, it's one of the one of the biggest issues we see is drinking while boating. You know, other people get behind the wheel. It's dangerous. They're high speed. You think you have all of this space in the world to yourself and it closes suddenly and the injuries are very catastrophic. You're out in the middle of the water. It's very different than being on a roadway. So please, I I look, I love being on the water just as much as anyone else, but be smart, be safe. It's never worth the risk and also never ride on the bow of a boat. Uh, That's one of the things we're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of accidents with motors and propellers and it's just brutal so when you're out there be safe be smart because uh, i don't want to i really don't want to hear a call from you guys yeah that's really interesting when it comes to that do you also think that the police on the water are a little bit more liberal than what we see on the roads because i think normally at times you know you let a boater come by or go or this or that as long as they're not speeding especially in an area where there's no wake unless it gets really aggressive and you see a lot of people on a boat and then an accident when you hear about a boating accident it's usually really really dramatic a lot of people get hurt as you talk about people flying out of the boats it's important to talk about this summer Yeah, absolutely. And I don't necessarily think it's a policing issue. I Mm. mean, swerving on a vehicle, you know there's something going on. It's dangerous. Swerving in a boat, that's what a lot of people want. They're creating a wake. They're having fun. So it is harder to monitor what's erratic behavior on the water versus on the roadway. And so that's part of it. And it's serious. But look, just be safe. Uh, If you're the one behind the the wheel of your little uh, watercraft, Mm. please do not drink uh, and and manage that because you have a lot of people's responsibility in your hands. Ashley Watkins joins us. Sam and Ash, go to the website, SamandAshLaw.com. So I'm in San Diego, and my buddy's got these really cool e-bikes. And we yeah. get on an e-bike in Encinitas, and we're driving around. We get down to the beach, and we were going downhill, and I had it on because we were using a little bit of it because the hills were pretty crazy where I was. It could get out of control really quickly if you're going downhill and you don't remember. You don't need that type of assistance, and you're kind of dealing with this. How many of these e-bike accidents have you seen, and what are they typically like? Oh, we're hearing more and more of them, especially because it's young kids on these bikes. And look, they go approximately like 30 miles an hour. And so it's insane. Please wear a helmet. Uh, It's so critical. Your head is so fragile. We're learning that with the NFL studies, with Mm -hmm. sports. Protect your head. Wear a helmet. You know, don't worry about your hairdo. But yeah, we're seeing the accident. Be smart. Remember, you're a vehicle. You're not, you don't get the liberties of a pedestrian. If you're going through a crosswalk, 
crosswalk, you technically have to walk the bike across. So it's really critical that you have your head on a swivel. It's very much like sports, head on a swivel and wear your helmet. Sam and Ash Injury Law, my personal injury lawyers in not only Nevada, but California, they'll do everything to take the pressure off you because when someone does you wrong, you deserve what's right. So finally, has Jeannie Buss called you on negotiating the Russell Westbrook exit? Uh, there's some social media out today. If you haven't seen it, a Russ play, playing some pickup basketball. It seems like he's going to be back. They can't move that contract, and the Lakers are going to give him one more year. Hey, I think Russ is a tough asset to move right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would welcome the call from Jeannie Buss. I'm always up for a tough negotiation, but uh, <laughs> Russell Westbrook has to prove himself this year in order to get himself out. Are you watching the All-Star game, or are you more into Home Run Derby? What are you into? Oh, I like the Home Run Derby. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fun. I saw, I caught a little bit of it on TV, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I like, I look, I like Dodger Stadium, so yeah. I'm going to watch it. Beautiful. Uh, Tell everybody where they can get in touch with you, how often you're picking up the phone, and how you can help. Uh, 24-7-702-820-1234, samandashlaw.com. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you soon. Oh, have fun. There she is, Ashley Watkins. Great friend, my personal injury attorney. If you need her, she's there. She'll get right back to you. And you need a personal injury attorney in Vegas or in California, especially if you're going from Vegas to California. That's really important. All right. Good job today, Bobby. We kind of pieced this thing together here. We'll be over at the Raiders on Thursday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Tomorrow, we'll figure out what we're doing. Tonight's the all-star game in baseball. So I'm going to give it a chance. I love it. I grew up with it. As I mentioned, I hope you enjoyed the Reggie Jackson story and how cool it was for, for me to talk to one of my great heroes of my life. But growing up as a young boy in Long Island, New York, playing Little League, and my dad was my Little League coach, my earliest memories was watching the All-Star game in the summer. The ice cream truck, friends coming over, sleepovers, you're able to watch the game, and if the game was out west and you're watching it back east, and growing up as a kid as an American League fan, when I tell you I didn't watch any National League, I'm I'm talking zero until the World Series. So when the All-Star game came, I remember seeing Dave Parker, I remember seeing uh, players that came in who were great players. It could have been Rusty Staub in Montreal, whoever it was, and that would be the only time I watch them. Now we have interleague play, so you see players play more. But it's just the Midsummer Classic, and I hope everybody watches it tonight. Clayton Kershaw is going to open up the game going up against Shohei Otani, and that's going to be a memorable moment in the history. In 1999, I took my dad to Boston, to Fenway Park, to see Pedro Martinez start and mow down everybody. And Ted Williams came out at the game, and that was a bucket list for me and my dad. That was one of the greatest moments I ever had with my dad. Bobby, I haven't told that story in a while, but after the game, it it was a madhouse at Fenway Park. And after the game, I, I walked out of Fenway Park with my dad, and at the stoplight as we're crossing the street, it was Tim Rushard from Meet the Press, Really good guy from Buffalo, and I interviewed him before, and he talked to my dad as we were walking across the street, and we waved goodbye. And I'll never forget that as I was on the radio in Boston early in my career and went to Fenway for the 1999 All-Star Game. And I was also at the Anaheim All-Star Game when Bo Jackson hit a home run with my friend. So I love the All-Star Game. I'll be watching tonight and tweeting about it at JT the Brick. Thanks again to Roxy Bernstein, Ashley Watkins, who just joined us. Uh, my conversation with Reggie Jackson, and we'll do it again tomorrow as we're counting down to veterans reporting for the Raiders, which is a big deal. 
because these veterans are going to have to get the rookies up to speed and pull everybody along to build this 53-man roster. Q is on deck, as always. Always listen to the remainder of the lineup. And I'll be back here tomorrow on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Have a great day, everybody.